I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. March Madness. So that's why the conference championships are, are always so good. Uh, I'm going to have some XFL plays for you coming your way in the second hour. Um, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're talking some NFL as well uh, because you can wager on some of the futures bets out there uh, before a lot of the quote unquote news breaks um, with free agency and, and, and whatnot. And, um, and oh, by the way, uh, really excited uh, you can actually, you can wager on the Oscars. So Sunday, not only is it Selection Sunday, but also it's the Academy Awards. It's the Oscars, and you could wager. Which, by the way, um, Julie and Chantel, do you guys watch the Oscars? No, I don't. You don't? No. I do. Want, 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 want. You know, here's the thing, and and w- really quick, I, I just I want to bring this up really quick. Hold on one second, I've got so many windows open on my on my computer. Um, hold on. So I just want to I just want to test this out, right? Because I feel like this is what happens to me each and every year. Um, let's let's just let's say whether or not we've seen this movie or not. You ready? Yep. And these are these are the films that have been nominated for Best Picture, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Have you guys seen it? No, I have. Did you like it, Julian? I did. I liked it a lot. So I started to watch it and I fell asleep. I'm sure that's not what the director and the writers and the producers want to hear, but I'm just being honest and transparent. Um, I, I I definitely want to watch it. I think. You know, obviously, it's going to win a ton of awards. It already has this awards season, so um, and that is in in that film is what's favored. Okay, so uh, all quiet on the Western Front. I don't even. I, I this is my first time even hearing it. So no, I did not. I did not see this either. I you didn't guys? see it either. I, I also did see that one. You saw julian who are you what's going so what is all quite do you feel that it's deserving to be nominated for best picture it's good i don't know if it's like the best top 10 movie of the year but it is a good movie the banshees do you have you guys seen this no i have not but on my list okay Uh, top gun maverick i did see that and i thought it was good that was a good one i I, saw that saw that Okay, so three of us saw that. Okay, I, I, do you agree? Like, I, like I thought it was good. It, it, should it be nominated for Best Picture? I don't think so. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. The Fablemans, I have not seen this, but this is getting a lot of love because this is Steven Spielberg's real-life story. Didn't see it. Haven't seen it, but Me? yeah. I would, seems like a Best Picture-worthy film. Tar? Nope. No, I haven't seen that one yet. Nope. Elvis? Nope. Nope, no. not yet. Avatar, The Way of Water. I saw it. 
I actually, and I actually went to the theaters and I watched it in 3D. I loved it. Is it deserving a best picture? No, but I saw it. What about you guys? Did not see it. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Probably won't, or if it's streaming, maybe. Women talking? <laughs> I haven't seen I it. Haven't seen or it. heard of it. Triangle of Sadness. I haven't seen that one either. These are real so movies? I- yeah, exactly. This is my point. And I feel like each and every year it's the same thing, right? Like these movies come out and they're nominated for best picture. And I'm like, I've never, I haven't seen any of these. I didn't even know these movies existed. What is going on here? So I've only seen two and that's Avatar, The Way of Water and Top Gun Maverick. Um, I heard Banshees is really good. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I tried to watch it. I fell asleep. Again, it could have been just I had a long week. Doesn't mean that it's a bad movie. So anyway, you could wager on um, on a number of, of categories for the Oscars. And my very good friend Casey Howe is going to uh, tell us where we should spend our money if we so are inclined to wager on the Oscars. Uh, real quick, uh, let's listen in. Uh, Tim Legler was kind enough again to join me on my Bet Digital show earlier this week talking about the Knicks. I'm in. Are you in? Tim is in. Let's listen in. Tim, let's start with the team that's on my shirt, baby. That's right. The Knicks, the Garden, it's alive again. The Knicks, they had their nine-game win streak broke by the Hornets. They only went 11 of 40 from downtown. I feel that was a really big reason. But boy, this Knicks team, they've been so good with the addition of Josh Hart. I've already gone to the window. I bet them that they represent the East in the postseason at 25 to 1. Tim, what say you? Are you buying into what you've seen from this Knicks team? Can they make some noise in the postseason? Yeah, I mean, I'm 100% bought in on the Knicks. Now, what does that mean? It's it's all relative, right? And what your perspective is and, and what you actually think the ceiling is for this team. I, I look at the Knicks and say, can they beat a team like Cleveland in a 5-4 matchup? Can they beat Philly if it ended up being a 6-3 matchup? And I say yes. They could beat either one of those teams. Now, if you're asking me to predict it, lay money on it tonight, I wouldn't necessarily do that. But what I'm saying is when you get into a playoff series, it all comes down to guys being healthy, guys staying out of foul trouble at a critical moment, and then your best players have to deliver. And it only takes a couple of nights, not even really the entire game. It takes a couple of bad halves out of some of the principal characters in series like that that can sway a game and sway the series. That's how tight I think it would be. I think that would be a six or seven game series against either one of those teams. And if I'm telling you it can go seven, that means it's a toss up. That's where I think the Knicks are. They're competitive. They're tough. And finally, the most important part, they have stabilized the point guard position. They've been looking for a point guard in New York for a couple of decades. They finally have one. Jalen Brunson has delivered in a big way and given that team exactly what they need at that spot, leadership and star power every single night. So, yes, I'm big on the Knicks right now, and they absolutely are in the mix with those top teams and can throw a scare into them or potentially even beat a couple of teams I mentioned. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, and just by the way, when when Brunson is off and quickly comes in, and he's the starting point guard along with Josh Hart. Uh, Tim, they're 54. They're shooting 54 percent from the field. I am all bought in. They're taking on the Sacramento Kings tonight out west, right? And this is a sneaky good team. They're sitting second in the West right now. Which, by the way, I bet them to win the Pacific at plus 180. 
Um, but are you buying into this Kings team? I love watching them play. Are you buying into this Kings team? And, and how much noise do you think they can make in the postseason? I think Sacramento is the ultimate good news, bad news story. And, and let me give you the good news first if you're a Kings fan. The good news is they've obviously had an incredible year. This is the story from a team perspective in the entire league is the Sacramento Kings. And they're also going to stay right there. They've got a great shot to end up as the two seed in a loaded Western Conference because of all of the issues the teams behind them are dealing with. Injuries, you know, you got situation in Memphis with John Morant. Who knows where that's ultimately going to lead? You know, Kevin Durant now uncertain in Phoenix. Dallas just acquired Kyrie Irving. The Clippers have had guys out for the extent of the season. Golden State, you know, with the Andrew Wiggins situation and just getting Steph Curry back. So you look at all those teams. They're trying to find out who they are. Sacramento knows who they are, and they're a really good team. Again, stabilized and all-star power at the point guard. But De'Aaron Fox, they added some bonus, which gives them incredible toughness and consistency up front. And then you've got a bunch of guys cast out from other teams. You know, the, the Kevin Herters of the world and the Malik Monks of the world, Harrison Barnes. These guys have a lot to prove. They play with a chip every night. you got a great rookie in Keegan Murray. That's your top six. So the good news, they're, they're two, and they could stay two. Now, ready for the bad news? All those teams I just mentioned with issues, if you have to play one of those teams in the postseason in your Sacramento as a two seed and you get a Golden State team, you get a Clippers team, you get a Dallas team with all that star power and they're right at that time, that's going to be a difficult series for Sacramento to win. So even though this has been a dream season, far surpassing expectations, they could go out in the first round if they play one of these teams that we thought were juggernauts and they get guys back with enough time to find rhythm. That's going to be a very difficult year. It's a weird season in the Western Conference with all these teams lurking beneath the surface, waiting to pounce on some of those top seeds. All right, Tim, I know we are a month away, right? We still have like, you know, a good three to four weeks before the regular season is over. And there's a number of teams, especially last night, that uh, suffered some injuries to some big-name players. But I'm still going to ask you, uh, if you had to wager today, who's going to represent the East, who's going to represent the West, who would it be right now? I would go with Milwaukee in the East, and I would go with the Denver Nuggets in the West. And let me explain both. So for Milwaukee, I picked them, first of all, before the season. I thought they were going to go to the finals this year, and I actually picked Golden State to repeat as champions. I'm not feeling as good about that. But I do feel really good about Milwaukee getting to the finals. At the end of the day, I just have a lot of belief in number 34. I think Giannis finds a way, and I think the competitive drive that he has in sitting back a year ago and watching the Boston Celtics win the Eastern Conference and losing that series to them has driven him this year. Now, the key with them is going to be Chris Middleton, you know, finding his rhythm. He's back, but he's still not right. If Chris Middleton hits his stride to go along with you, Holiday, and then I think one of the best supporting casts in the NBA. They're deep and they're impactful with guys like Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen, who's had a great year. They just added Joe Ingles. I just love the depth of this team. And ultimately, I'll pick Milwaukee. And in the West right now, you've got to go with Denver because they've been the best team. They're whole. They know who they are. They've got great role definition. They're, they're, they're incredibly versatile, one through four at the top of their roster. Uh, and they added some nice pieces this year to give them out of depth and toughness. Now, the caveat with them is you look at a team like Phoenix, if they hit their stride and Kevin Durant isn't hurt for an extended period of time and he's healthy in the playoffs, Phoenix ultimately could be the team we're looking at. And I also think a team like Golden State, do not discount them. Steph Curry has fresh legs because he just sat out a month. 
He looks great coming back. If they get the Andrew Wiggins uh, that we saw a year ago back in time for a postseason run, don't discount Golden State and don't discount the Clippers. So there are some big-time teams that we just don't know enough about. But for now, if you're asking this question today, it has to be the Denver Nuggets. You can't dismiss the year they've had with so much uncertainty with these other teams. Again, Tim Legler joining me on Bet. Just to give you an idea of what the odds are out there for all you Knicks fans, the Knicks to win the championship 90 to 1. 90 to 1 in order for them to represent the East. Okay? 25 to 1. Why not? Why not? I just, I feel like this Knicks team checks all the boxes. So I've gone to the window with both. I say you do the same and let's enjoy the, the, the postseason. Hopefully they surpass the Cleveland Cavaliers and get that fourth seed so they can host the first round of the playoffs. Quick break. We come back. We kick off hour number two. And uh, David Behrman, I like to call him our gatekeeper of everything gambling, joins us next. We'll talk some golf, take you down to Ponte Vedra, Florida, where the Players' Championship is taking place. Who do we like heading into the weekend? We'll dive into that next right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. David, good evening. Anita, how are we tonight? Um, I'm okay. A lot of my bets are not coming through. So uh, so that's a, a bummer. Frank wreck of a golf tournament. A lot of carnage. And once again, they can't get 18. They can't get an entire round in. Like, when are we going to, when are you and I going to have a Friday night show where the cut's been made? Just want the cut to be made. Yeah, so for folks who are just tuning in, there was a number of, of, of golfers who uh, who could not get through uh, the round down at uh, in Ponte Vedra. So they're starting at 7 a.m. Uh, they're going to complete the second round, and then the third round, I want to say they're anticipating to tee off around 10.30, 10.45, and they're going to be in groups of three. 
uh, to try to get at least the third round in by the end of the day tomorrow. Okay, so as we know, it's the Players' Championship. A lot of a lot of people like to call it the fifth major of the season. It takes place at TPC Sawgrass, uh, I course down there in Ponte Vedra, Florida. At the top of the the, the leaderboard is Chris Bez. I'm not even going to try. Uh, he's at eight under. Spenson as well is at eight under. A guy who I put some money on before the tournament began, Ben Griffin. I liked him. He's six under. He's tied for third. Um, and uh, we have Min Woo Lee. Morikawa as well is six under. So he's tied for, thir- for, for third. A guy who's lurking, Scotty Scheffler. He's five under. He's tied for sixth along with uh, Jason Day, who's four under, and Hovland as well, who's four under. So that's who's at the top of the leaderboard. And typically more time than not, David, is that guys that are, that are at the top of the leaderboard right now after the first round or first two rounds are the guys who typically, you need a, you need a quick start, a fast start at this tournament. Very few and far between do guys come from like down at like tied for 20th at the end of, of the second round to come back and win at this tournament. It just doesn't happen. So with that being said, who are you eyeing, who are you eyeing right now to win? And, and there's only one one notable exception to that was a few years ago when Justin Thomas did it. He went out Saturday morning and tore it up, and then the weather kicked in. And the, the weather can always play a factor in this course. As far as who I'm eyeing to win, I think the weather break today and then resuming tomorrow morning with clear skies and no wind is going to immensely help the players that didn't finish today because the wind was getting pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And there's been nobody who has shot the ball better than Colin Morikawa this week. You saw what he did on Thursday. He shot lights out, throwing darts out there. Today he started out with really good first hole birdie, just like he did the day before. Um, it's flat stick working. And that has always been Morikawa's problem is he kind of gets a little loose with the putter. But he only lost a little bit today. He's one over par on the round with seven holes to play tomorrow in the second round before 36 more holes to go. But no one is no one is hitting better than him. And you and I discussed this earlier in the week, and we talked about it in the golf column uh, that the ESPN.com golf team has. Is approach to the greens is vastly important here at TPC Sawgrass, where you miss the green, you could be in the water. You could, we've seen people chip the ball right through the green into the water. So approach and around the greens. Right now, Morikawa's shots gained total approach is first in the field, and it's not even close. He's gained across the board. He's top five in every metric except for putting. And even putting, he's only 71st. We're used to seeing Morikawa in the triple digits. So I think Morikawa, only two shots back with seven to play tomorrow. Anita, I bet him this morning before his second round. Uh, at four and a half to one, and right now he's sitting there at about four and a half and five to one to win. But I'm gonna give you one bet I really like. It's not something we're used to seeing because the second round is usually over and the cuts made, or there's two players left on the course. With all these players still left on the course, you can still bet who will be leading at the end of the second round. And Morikawa is plus seven fifty. With seven holes to play and only two shots back, I think there's a good chance he can go out there tomorrow and be the second-round leader at plus 750, but I also like him to win the whole thing. I like it. I I like that bet for sure. Um, My best bet tonight on Daily Wager was uh, Minwoo Lee. 
Um, and he is tied for third right now. He's six under uh, on the, on the leaderboard. He's two under today through 15. So he still has a few holes to play um, in, like you said, in good weather. He's also, he's, he's pretty much, he's, he's up there in, in a number of metrics in strokes gained putting strokes gained off the tee, uh, strokes gained uh, tee to green as well as strokes gained in total. So uh, he's playing some really, really good, good golf right now. And you could get him, he's tied for third and you could get him to finish in the top 10 at plus 140. So that was that was my best bet tonight on 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 daily on daily wager. Yeah, I like it. And one other name I'm paying attention to, uh, just because he's been so consistent and did it again today. And I'm not sure he's going to win it because he hasn't won recently. But Jason Day is what a great comeback story after all the injuries he suffered in the vertigo. Here's a guy whose injuries has possibly prevented him from being a you know, three or four time major winner. He's sitting there at T8. The guy has three consecutive top 10 finishes. I bet him in the top 10 earlier in the week. I would double down on it. I'm pretty sure he's going to finish in the top 10. And don't put it out of the way that he couldn't win this only being four shots back. Yeah. One thing that we've seen here in this tournament um, is that, you know, guys who, who, who are able, who, who are, getting that morning tea time obviously on Thursday if you have the morning tea time then you have the afternoon tea time on Friday and vice versa um and you and I both we, we've lived in South Florida we know what time it is um as the afternoon uh comes upon us um the winds pick up and also uh, yep and and also bad weather uh starts coming in and and really that that has been the story here you know, you've got you've got guys who had the morning tea time on Thursday. I want to say they had like a one one and a half strokes gained uh, advantage for the guys who who teed off in the afternoon, and the guys who teed off in the afternoon had a really hard time. Uh, granted, yes, uh, there was uh, a stoppage, and they're going to pick up tomorrow where weather conditions are supposed to be perfect, absolutely beautiful, no wind, no rain, uh, blue skies. Granted, it's seven a.m. But nonetheless, um, you know that that really has been the story here. It needs to be a, it, it needs to be a part of the handicapping uh, when you're when you're when you're looking at golfers um, who who play in Florida. It does, and and you look no further than a guy who's number one in the world right now, and he's number one in the event in Florida, John Rahm, and pulling out because of an illness week, this week. Had one good round last week, actually had one good back nine last Thursday afternoon and then did terrible Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. He's never won in Florida. He's not good on Bermuda Greens. And it's just something about the wind and the way the Florida courses are that doesn't suit John Rahm. And it fits other players. Billy Horschel does well. Shane Lowry usually does well. We see Morikawa do well. There are players. And the PGA Tour has shown us that West Coast golf and East Coast golf are two different styles. Max Homer is unstoppable on the West Coast, doesn't necessarily win on the East Coast. Some of these players miss the first few weeks, and then they play like that. Sun J.M. dominates on the East Coast, not on the West Coast. So it is different greens, different weather, different situations. Um, and, I mean, it, it, I would just like them to be able to complete rounds on time because it wrecks havoc on betting and it wrecks havoc on DFS. You and I both love to bet in DFS. We usually sit here on Friday nights to try to figure out what we like on Saturday mornings. And 
there's no matchups out right now. So you can't bet them, and, you know, hopefully you're around at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning to be able to play some third-round bets. So uh, just to recap our golf discussion here, Scotty Scheffler, uh, he is the favorite right now to win at plus 230, Morikawa at plus 450, we're talking about Hovland as well, who's just a few shots back, four shots back at 12 to 1. Jason, Jason Day, who, of course, uh, David mentioned, is 12 to 1 as well. Minwoo Lee, I like him to finish uh, in the top 10, uh, and you can get that at plus 140. Uh, ben Griffin as well, I like him to finish in the top 10, and you can get that at plus 150. Any other any other plays out there? Or, or match any anything out there that you would recommend for folks heading into the weekend? Yeah, I'd keep, keep an eye on Adam Hadwin. He's four shots back, but he has uh, ten holes left to play tomorrow. He only he only got eight holes in today, and he's uh, hitting the ball pretty well. If you look at his stats, uh, he's eighth off the tee. He's nineteen to green and thirteenth overall in shots gained total. Hasn't made many putts, but he has a good 10 holes to play tomorrow, and he's only four shots off the lead. So he's someone I'm probably going to play in the top 10. Uh, before I let you go, really interesting news broke, of course, as we were on Daily Wager or right before we hit, and that is the trade that went, that went down with Carolina and uh, the Chicago Bears. Uh, <laughs> I think Carolina got robbed. I love DJ Moore. I think he's one of the most, uh, you know, uh, underestimated uh, quarter uh, quarterbacks, wide receivers in the NFL, um, and all the draft picks that the Chicago Bears got. Moving down to nine, Carolina now at one, and a lot of people anticipating that they are going to draft CJ Stroud. So now his number is like it's up to like minus. 250 or minus 280 which is ridiculous to me but nonetheless your thoughts on the trade that went down earlier today David um I think it's a good trade for both teams for what they needed the Bears obviously didn't need a quarterback and needed some weapons and traded down and they got a nice haul they got DJ Moore as you mentioned a nice weapon to, to go with Mooney and, and Claypool if they keep them all. And you got two good running backs, and obviously Justin Fields, and now they can pick a defensive guy at nine. Uh, the other thing that was pointed out to me was you look at Carolina, who just traded everything they had to trade up to get a quarterback that is going to be a rookie. They don't have many weapons, and there's a very good chance that Carolina could be extremely bad next year with a rookie quarterback and pretty much no weapons on offense. I don't know if anybody saw Mike Clay's tweet about what their depth chart looks like. There's just nobody there. You have no more DJ Moore, no more Christian McCaffrey. Um, And if they are as bad as they could be next year, all of a sudden the Chicago Bears could get the number one pick again and potentially trade down again because they still have Justin Fields. So I thought what the Bears did to get not only the first round, stay in the first round this year at number nine, pick up a second-round pick, pick up D.J. Moore, and then get a first and a second next year, which probably will be high picks considering how bad the Panthers could be. A very good job by the Bears to do that, and hopefully they can turn things around super quick. As far as Carolina is concerned, you know, Frank Wright is their, quarter, is, their, is their coach. He's a quarterback guy, and he's obsessed with needing a quarterback. And you go to Indianapolis and you get Andrew Luck for one year before he retires, and then you couldn't figure it out. So now you go to Carolina, and you convince them to trade up and get probably C.J. Stroud. I personally, and we'll talk more about this as the draft gets closer, 
I personally don't like any of the quarterbacks at the top of the draft. And I have obviously watched a lot of Anthony Richardson. And, you know, obviously the combine numbers are great. I just wouldn't want to draft him in the top five. And I'm not sure Strout, Bryce Young, or Will Levis are, are, are worthy of top five picks. But the draft is QB bananas, and that's what you're going to see. The Probably four of the first five picks will be quarterbacks in this draft. Yeah, I think it's pretty ridiculous. I'm with you. I talked about it earlier. I don't think any of these guys are worthy of being drafted in the top 10, top 15. But, of course, we're going to see it happen, right, David? Yeah. So, anyway. It happens every year. Even the year that all of a sudden the Eagles and the Rams traded up for Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, I didn't think that – I mean, both of them, both teams wound up winning Super Bowl. But I didn't get it then, and I don't get it now. I don't like any of these quarterbacks. But – you know, we'll see. I'm not a, you know, NFL general manager, so we'll see. David, thank you so much. Always great having you join us here on Weekend Wager. Thank you, my friend. You have a good weekend. Enjoy the golf. You got it. Hopefully we've given you some winners uh, this week uh, on the PGA Tour. Quick break. We come back. Let's talk some XFL, getting you ready. Locked and loaded for XFL football this coming week, week four of the XFL season, right here on Weekend Wager, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. us is Tom Lungenbill. He is with the XFL. He's part of our ESPN broadcast team who's covering, of course, all things XFL. So, Tom, I just want to share with you really quick my power rankings. Be honest with me. Maybe you'll agree, disagree with me in regard to my rankings. That's fun. Each and every week I put these together heading into, of course, the next following week of the XFL. Number one, I've got the Roughnecks. I feel they're the best team in the XFL. Number two, I have the Defenders. They're 3-0, and so they move up a spot. Battle next, 2-1. Renegades at 4 at 2-1. The Dragons are 1-2, but they very well could be 3-0. and All right? They lost two games, of course, in the final second against D.C. and St. Louis. The Brahmas at 6 at 1-2. The Vipers 
And of course, the Guardians, they have not been able to win a game yet this season. But I do have the Vipers at seven and the Guardians at eight. What say you? You know, nothing really glaring that I would strongly agree with. You know, the one thing with your top two teams, and I would actually, I've had D.C. three times um, in the first three weeks. So I've gotten very familiar with them. Um, And I would agree with you having Houston slightly over just because Houston hasn't done the thing that everybody else seems to do in the league, and that's shoot themselves in the foot early. Whether it's turnovers, whether it's penalties, where it's really spotty offensive line play, which is starting to get cleaned up as each and every week goes by. Houston, particularly, I was going to mention this with their coaching staff when we visit. Everybody else looks like they've played for three weeks on offense. Houston looks like they've been playing for five weeks. And then on top of it, they're essentially number one in the league in every defensive category that matters, right? Creating turnovers, tackles for loss. Um, you name it, they're, they're in the tops of the league. The reason why I like D.C. at two, and I could make an argument for them at one, but I love your order, is because they're the only team in the league, and this is professional football. Professional football, you generally don't have to, from a defensive perspective, deal with college-style offenses where the quarterback is a major threat to run all the time. And that's what D.C. can do. That's what makes D.C. difficult, is they can run the football with the running clock rules, it really shortens the game. And then the quarterback has been, a, whether it's Jordan Tahamu or Derek King, has been a real problem for the opponent to uh, be able to slow down. I think the one team in the league that, uh, because I don't disagree with you on St. Louis, uh, but they had their, you know, they had to turn the ball over at all going into week three, and then they turned it over four times on the road against D.C. last week. But the team that I think has a chance, because I think they've got really good players, and I think June Jones knows what he's doing offensively for this league, is Seattle. If Seattle can avoid the turnover bug, they got that big win against uh, Vegas on the road last week. If they can somehow get on track, they're the one team that I think, with their coaching staff, with the NFL experience that they have on that roster, they could see some growth here in the next couple of weeks. It's, it's interesting. And, and also, um, you know, uh, here's another one before I look big picture here, because I was going to ask you some things in, in regard to like how the season plays out and how many teams make it to the championship and whatnot. But like, even though the Vipers are sitting there at 0 and 3, you know, the fact that they, they added Brett Hundley as their quarterback and he showed promise last week. I think yeah. I think the Vipers. Are, I think they're another team that I feel a lot better than their record indicates. Agree or disagree? I do agree, and they need Brett Hundley to get settled in. You know, I had them in week mm-hmm. two in their opener in a driving rainstorm, twenty-five mile an hour wind, just horrendous conditions. And Brett Hundley had only been there for two and a half, three weeks, and they decide to to play him, give him some valuable reps, and it was clear that they were going to probably start to commit to him full-time. So the more he gets entrenched in the offense, the, the, the better off they are going to be because they have guys on defense that can rush the passer. And that's the, the other thing in this league. I, I look at Houston, okay, and, and I look at Vegas from a pass rush perspective. When you're, you're dealing with supplemental professional football and the most difficult position to get to gel together is the offensive line, that's your biggest concern. If you can rush the passer early, you've got distinct advantages, especially if the quarterback on the other team 
is maybe still trying to kind of feel feel their way a little bit. We've seen that with Orlando. They haven't quite figured it out at quarterback. We've now seen Arlington with two different quarterbacks, Vegas with two quarterbacks. DC's doing it by design. It's very, very successful. So if you can rush the passer, then I think you give yourself a chance if you protect your, the football on offense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, before we start looking at, at, at the week four matchups, big picture here, uh, the DC defenders favored to win the championship at plus 225. Pretty surprising. Houston plus 250. Uh, the Battle Hawks pl- five to one. Renegades plus 650. Sea Dragons plus 750. San Antonio 10 to one. Um, with that being said, kind of explain to our, our listeners out there as the season unfolds, there are only eight teams, but half the league make it to the postseason, right? No, just, yeah, just, yes, half the league, top two teams in the North and South Division uh, will make will make it to the playoffs. So you're not out of it for a bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, this week this week's going to say a lot. Um, you know, I know Orlando was close. You know, last week played their best game of the season, but they still shot themselves in the foot, lose by one point, as you referenced at Arlington, and now they've got to play Houston, who they've already played in the opener, so there's some familiarity there. As I look across the league and I'm and I'm watching the teams, and like I said, I've seen three and DC three times now. I've seen St. Louis in person, um, have seen Seattle, and then I spent the last you know few days watching Houston and Orlando. In my opinion. Houston has the best overall roster in terms of talent. They have the most team speed on offense. They've proven to be the most dialed-in, well-oiled machine on offense. And defensively, they've opted from a personnel perspective to maybe go away from size and strength and go to speed, suddenness, and explosiveness. So, like, they're not the biggest defense, but they're creating the most havoc because of how they're designed. And if they stay healthy, and that's the other thing in all of this, you've got small rosters and, you know, the drop-off between one guy if he goes down and the next guy could be significant. How often do you have to hit the waiver wire? How often do you have to look at the transactions every day to see if you can improve your football team? But if Houston stays healthy, um, they're the team, in my opinion, because they've got the best players that will start to rise, I think, is the favorite to win the championship. And right now you could get them at plus 250. Plus 250 is the D.C. defenders are the ones that are favored here uh, to win the championship. Um, Tom Luganbill is joining us. Uh, he's going to be your game this week is going to be um, the uh, the Houston uh, Orlando game. And that's the first game. Yeah out of the four this week, Saturday, seven o'clock Eastern time. That is kickoff. Uh, Houston is favored by eight and a half. Again, last time they played Orlando, they beat them 30, 33 to 12. One would look back to last week's game against the Renegades and say, well, maybe Orlando's brought it together a little bit. They look like, you know, Terrell Buckley was ready to resign. There was, there was some turmoil in the locker room Um, heading into, uh, into this matchup. uh, The over under is 37 and a half. How do you see this game playing out this week? Well, the one thing, if there's a silver lining with Orlando, the one thing they can do is run the ball. They can run it effectively. What's killed them, and by the way, they're the only, they're either one of two teams or the only team in the league that's actually scored a touchdown on the opening possession of each of their three games. But then from that point on, they seem to go downhill. And it's because they turn the ball over. They'll, they'll, they'll mount a drive and then get inside the 10 yard line, fumble the ball, or, you know, get inside the 25 yard line, throw an interception. So they've been their own worst enemy. 
But again, they can run the ball, and the, and they're they're really good uh, in the in, in the offensive line, guard, center to guard. So I think the game plan, um, if you want, if if you're looking at taking the over on that one, which I think what is 35 and a half or 37.5, yeah, 35, uh, seven and a hook. So to me, like the the issue that I would have with taking the under there is I don't see Houston slowing down, and if they were to go out and, and crank out another another 30, which they're more than capable of doing, 33 the first, the first time, and I think Orlando is improving on offense, if they can crank in another 10, I, I wouldn't go with them. That's just my opinion on this one. Um, because I think Houston could take care of the vast majority of that number. Got you. Uh, Silvers, their quarterback, 278 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, the uh, the chemistry between him and Kirkland it has, has really been impressive. So um, so Houston, again, going up against Orlando. Houston's favored by eight and a half. That is my side. That's how I would play it. And, of course, Tom is saying the over could be a solid play as well at 37 and a half. Later on, Saturday night, 10 o'clock Eastern time, kickoff San Antonio Heinz Ward, his team going up against the Seattle Sea Dragons. Uh, sea, sea Dragons favored by four and a half. The over-under here is at 40 and a half. Like I said, I think the Sea Dragons team is a lot better than what their record indicates. Um, and as you pointed out, a lot of NFL talent on that team, Danucci and uh, Josh Gordon, we're seeing that chemistry develop after three games. I'm leaning Seattle minus four and a half. The over-under is 40 and a half. How do you see this one playing out? I actually like that call as well. I really do. I think Seattle's better than their record. They're a team that's built and looks on film a lot like Houston looks. The difference is Houston hasn't turned the ball over and made mistakes, and Seattle has. And so I think, as I mentioned earlier, they're the team um, that I feel really, really good about. And it's interesting, too, because we've seen some of these scores. This is why this league is so difficult to handicap. We've seen 21-17, 22 to 18, 23-15. Like we've seen that number or those that that end game hover around uh, that that outcome of a number. And so when you start to see minus four, I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness, man. I mean, I feel like everybody in this league could be within that number. But uh, I do I do barely like Houston here. Excuse me, uh, Seattle here. Um, and then on Sunday, we've got two more games. Arlington, the Renegades, Bob Stoops team going up against the St. Louis Battlehawks. A.J. McCarron, uh, the quarterback of that team. Um, St. Louis finally at home, right, Tom? Their first three games were yeah. on the road. And, and from what I understand, they're expecting 30,000 fan base expected in that game so or, or to attend that game. And, and the Renegades... Uh, with with some major injuries this past week, right? Losing one of their best corners. I, I lean here. I, I, I'm I'm okay leading, laying the four with the Battle Hawks. The over under is thirty six and a half. Um, you know your 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 thoughts of the Battle Battle Hawks finally at home and, and what 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 is uh, what's the XFL anticipating? I mean that's a really impressive fan base of thirty thousand if that's truly what they're expecting. Yeah, and I, to be honest with you, they might get a little bit more. Uh, the word out there is that they're considering opening some portions of the upper upper deck on, on both sides. And, and in 2020, they drew really, really well. And so not not unexpected, but, you know, highly anticipated because they've been on the road for the first three mm-hmm. weeks. And so I think, that's the, I think that's Arlington's biggest challenge is can they deal with the road? You know, I, 
You know, unlike the NFL, unlike a lot of college football venues, it's not as if every time you go on the road, you're going to have to deal with communication issues, right? Well, maybe in, in this particular setting, and, and certainly in D.C. too. I mean, D.C. packed the house last week at the game I was at, made it very difficult on St. Louis with their communication. And I think St. Louis rebounds well. I have no problem laying on, on St. Louis as well. I think a lot of it is because of the environment. And last but not least, you got the Vipers going up against the D.C. Defenders, a team obviously that you just pointed out you know extremely well. D.C. at home, that snake, <laughs> that sna- what the is it? Snake. The, the, the beer snake, front and foremost. The D.C. Defenders favored by six. The over-under is at 41. I, I kind of I lean towards the Vipers covering, so I'm kind of leaning towards the Vipers getting the six. But th- to me, this game is somewhat of a, of, of a toss-up, so I'm really curious uh, how you would play this. So having this game two weeks ago between these two teams, and I referenced earlier about Vegas, how, how impressive they are as a pass rushing team. So the first half of their first game, um, they, BC just couldn't get anything going. And Vegas was having their way. Their defensive front was teeing off the whole nine yards. And then De'Eric King came into the game. And all of a sudden, D.C. looked like a college football team with a dual-threat quarterback and started running quarterback power, quarterback counter, zone read, RPO, and completely neutralized Vegas on defense. Vegas did not know which way was up. They did not have a plan. They, They made no adjustments. And the game completely got away from them in the second half. And so what I'm looking at from the Vegas perspective is, if they have a plan to stop quarterback run, this is going to be a very, very close game. If they still struggle to stop quarterback run, then I think D.C. could win this by eight or more. All right. I want to thank Tom, of course, for joining us here on 98.7 ESPN with some great insight in regard to the XFL. And just to share with you some of the plays that I like this week, I do like the Roughnecks. I'm going to lay the nine against Orlando. Again, the Roughnecks, I feel they're the best team in this league. The Guardians are the worst team. These two teams already played each other, and the Roughnecks won 33-12. to I like the Battlehawks at home for the first time. They're expecting 35 to 40,000 people at their stadium. They're favored by four. I'll lay the points. Also, the Vipers. Give me the Vipers. I'll take the points. Why? Brett Hundley got his feet wet. I think we're going to see some good things from him moving forward. And D.C., they're going to be missing some players because they're suspended because of the brawl that took place in week three. And last but not least, the Dragons and the Brahmas. I'm going over 40 and a half points. I like the combination, what we're seeing with Danucci and Josh Gordon and also Seattle, their defense, giving up 11.7 yards per play. Are you kidding me? So, yes, I do like the over in that matchup. Quick break. We come back. We'll get you ready for the Oscars. Yes, you can wager on the Oscars. Stay tuned for that next right here on We Can Wager, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.